Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Good morning, everyone. It is the day after Christmas. We hope you are nursing that eggnog hangover. We sure are. Good morning, everyone at home. Let's take a look at the national forecast. We have three areas of interest. The southeast with some rain. The nation's heartland, a little bit of rain and snow. We spoke to the president of the Polar Bear Club. In addition to the 1,500 swimmers, there were plenty of revelers. 12,000 people on the beach. It was really actually... 12,000 people saying, what are they doing? What is she doing? (laughs) Welcome to episode 88 of the Highly Relevant Podcast. I am your host, Jack Rico. And on this episode, who more highly relevant than my homegirl, Marisol Castro, who's my guest today. Many of you know her from her WPIX days here in New York City doing traffic reports back in the day. And a few others of you know her from Good Morning America, the early show on CBS, and ESPN. She now celebrates a brand new adventure by recently becoming Major League Baseball's first Latina PA announcer and the first female PA announcer in Mets history. How you like them apples? A big, big congrats for the new gig, and Marisol, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jack. It's so great to be here. All right, first of all... You make me sound very important, which I'm so impressed. Well, you are very important, And, (laughs) and, and the first question out of the gate is, how are you wrapping your head around being the PA announcer for the New York Mets, and to boot, the first female to do it? Isn't that a little surreal? It's very surreal because I'm also the first Latina in the whole MLB. So woman, it. Latina. Oh man, All this of is it. it's crazy. All of it. So I don't know. I don't know how I'm wrapping my brain around it. I, I, I don't think I have taken enough time to stop and say, "Holy smokes!" Like <laughs> this is this is what you're doing. So I guess to answer your question, I'm still trying to wrap my brain around it. This is a departure for you, and so my big question, I think, and I think what everybody also wants to know is. How did the job come to you and what was sort of your reaction when you got it? It's a great question and I still it still boggles my mind as well because I can tell you that nothing I have ever done in my life no signs, at least to me, overtly were saying, you're going to go be the PA announcer for a, you know, one of the major franchises in, in MLB history. Um I, my, I guess, to your point, I've been doing television for 20 years, and in those 20 years, um, I've made incredible friends. I've worked with uh, very professional, incredible people, and someone just happened to drop my name to the right person at the right time. Hmm. You and I both know we've, we've, come, we've come up through this business together. Timing and luck, if you have that, you're golden. Um, but I will say I just happened to be walking past Washington Square Park and I see this number on my phone that I keep ignoring because I'm I'm one of those that if I don't if you're if I don't recognize your number sorry you better leave a message <laughs> you know? I'm in the same boat now with these telemarketers I'm like done done I'm, yeah, I'm exactly. done picking no, up the phone it. it's like hello we're yes. calling from yeah I'm done with that <laughs> exactly so um I you know I picked up the phone and Lo and behold, that man would go on to become my boss for the New York Mets. And um, I was so confused. I was just kind of like, huh, this is odd. But growing up a native New Yorker, growing up in the Bronx, loving baseball, loving sports, I just thought, all right, I've never, I obviously know how to manipulate my voice. um, But I had never, it had never occurred to me to be a PA announcer. And so they, you know, he said, well, can, would you consider it? And I said, yes. And I said, but honestly, what, what's the story here? And he said, the Mets organization is very committed to having a female public address announcer, not just female, but a Latina. And of course, being the cynical journalist that I am, I was like, why? (laughs) <laughs> and uh, <laughs> by the way, it and, sounds you know, like you were almost like underselling yourself for the job. 
no, you know what it is. It's not that it's not that um, I didn't want the job. I think for me, what has been super important because our business is so topsy turvy. I never want to have I never want to be caught with a blind spot. And so here I have the executive producer of Mets production, Joe DeVito, telling me that they're moving forward. You know, they're very committed to having a a Latina. And so I'm thinking, okay, I checked those boxes. But in my own mind, I'm saying, I know how this business works. So what's the catch? So it wasn't so much that I didn't want the job. I need, you know, I have to advocate for myself. And so I'm thinking, I'm already thinking in my mind, what, what is going on here? How could this possibly be happening? And perhaps to your point, I was kind of like, me? Really me? Um, and so I just, you know, they, he, he said we're committed to having the voice of the Mets be a, a, a voice that reflects the eyeballs that watch us, the people that fill the seats. So, I, I, you know what? I, and Jack, you know me. I don't say no to, to a meeting. I'm kind of like, all right, this is, this is something completely new mm-hmm. and different. Let's see where this goes. And so, obviously, the question of are you bilingual? Yes. You know, uh, could, are you fluent? Yes. This, that, and the other. And so, um, when they, you know, they sent me, a, you know, a, a, a lineup sheet and I had to go through and I was literally sitting in the floor of my closet, tell, you know, threatening my two boys, you need to be quiet for 20 minutes because <laughs> mommy has mommy has an audition. And they're looking at me. They're like, but you're still in your pajamas. I was like, shut up. Just, you know, because obviously they've grown up with me having always worked in television. And so uh, so there I am recording all the, you know, all the names and such. And when I went to the stadium, so I, I made the first cut and they, they brought me to the ballpark and they, you know, they, st- they stacked us. Right. So I go in and I immediately, you know, they, they bring me into the bowels of, of city field, which is a, a beautiful baseball stadium. I did say to um, my bosses, I said, listen, so here's the deal. Um, not every Latino wants their name pronounced in Spanish. Um, you know, Interesting. you you called me Marisol. I refer to myself as Marisol. Marisol, yeah. Yeah, so, and there are other women who spell their name exactly the same way or they spell it with an I and they refer to themselves as Marisol and that's cool. And that's part, that's also like such a, such a commentary on who we are as Latinos, right? Like we are this wide diaspora. But anyway, so I said, listen, um, I've I've never known Jose Reyes to go by anything other than Jose Reyes because they wanted me to say Jose Reyes. And I was like, dudes, I don't think he wants to go by that. So, so do you have um, to talk to the baseball players to so get I the proper them, pronunciation of their names? Well, I, I asked. I said, listen, can I go into the clubhouse and ask these guys themselves Yeah. what they prefer? What is their preference? Um, and they said – Absolutely. Let's go do it. And so one day I went and um, and it was so incredible. I think not only because these players are Latino, but also just from a human perspective to meet someone where where they are and say, how do you prefer your name to be pronounced? It was like it took them back. They were like, oh, my gosh, no no one's ever asked me that. (laughs) You know what I mean? Kidding me. So, yeah. So I said. Listen, you know, at the time it was Adrian Gonzalez and I, I said... Who, Adrian Gonzalez. Yeah, and I said to him, do you prefer Adrian Gonzalez? And he laughed. He was like, that makes my, my Mexican family very happy if you were to say that. And I was like, done. Wow. That's what I could pay to do. So, you know... It well, there you just, go. I um, think that's one of the values in the assets that you already bring to this. First of all, you you give, from what you're telling me about, uh, you know, Adrian, Adrian, mm-hmm. you've just given him... Uh, family pride, <laughs> ancestor pride, to go into that stadium and not have your name, which was given to you with a particular pronunciation, to then later be Americanized, but mm-hmm. not because of their own will and choice. It's because maybe the previous booth announcer has no concept of how a Latino name is pronounced. And so yeah. to update and modernize that, they're getting somebody who does understand the nuances of Latino names, which is most star players in baseball are Latino. So it there, matters. There are a ton. Yeah. No, it absolutely does. And what's interesting is parallel to my getting this job, a uh, writer from the New York Times was doing a piece 
on this exact phenomenon, on the changing face of, um, you know, baseball over the years, how it's evolved. Um, and he and we spoke very briefly. And he when I read the article, it was interesting because there's, you know, there's still the old guard that's like, listen, this is their name. This is what it looks like on paper. This is how I'm going to pronounce it. And then there's someone like me who I know I've spent my entire life correcting people on how to pronounce my name. So for me, names are super important. The fact that it's Latino names like that's just an added bonus for me. That being said, I just came off of a four game series with the Braves and there are a ton (laughs) of (laughs) Eastern European surnames that are spelled, you know, not necessarily consonant, vowel, consonant, consonant. It's like consonant, 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 vowel, Z. And I'm like, So how do you prepare for something like that? Can you go into their locker room? I go into what I I can do a couple of different things. I, in a perfect world, I can go straight up to the players. Um, And that would be the best thing. What I like to do is go into the booth and I start Googling and it'll be the person's last name. um, Nick Marcakis looks easy enough. But I'm Googling in it and I want to find a moment where he is pronouncing his own his his own name mm. so that I can hear him. If I can't do that, I can go to the visiting team's um, television booth or the visiting team's radio booth. So there are a bunch of different And resources. you're granted that access, which is pretty yes. awesome. Yes. That being said, once I press the button and I move my lips close to the microphone, whatever comes out comes out. <laughs> So, and there have been, there have already been a few times where I've gotten it wrong and I've been called out on it. And, you know, I try to handle it as gracefully as I possibly can. Tell me about the audition process when you got this. How did you prepare at home? Uh, Do you have equipment lying around? Did you have to go into a studio? How many times did you hear yourself to sort of just (laughs) latch on to that, that, that tone and then when yeah. you heard yourself afterwards at the stadium, was it different than what you had been hearing of your voice recently? Well, I'm laughing because I know you are a man who loves his gadgets and you are <laughs> incredibly ahead of the rest of us when it comes to your technology. <laughs> and I am a neophyte. Uh-huh. So you'll be shocked and appalled to say I have zero gadgets. I literally used my iPhone. iPhone 6S. Okay. Yep. Yep. Good microphone, um, by the way. I do some <laughs> podcasts like that too sometimes. <laughs> and that's literally what I did. I um, I did the little voice memo. Um, I was given a sheet. They they happened to use opening day of this year of 2018. So it was the opening day lineup. And I just had to read the names. That, um, that was the, the audition. Of the starting players. That was the audition of the starting players that I did in my closet in my pajamas when I yelled <laughs> at my children to shut up. Once I passed, once I passed that, they brought me to City Field, and they said to me, "You will get, you know, because obviously I said, um, what's the copy you want me to read?'" And they said, "We will give it to you when you get there. You'll have ten minutes to prep, and then you go." And I was like, oh, wow, they, they totally upped the ante. Mm. So because it was now I had no idea what the lineup was going to be. So now I had to go and study who every single Met player because I didn't want to be caught off guard. Mm-hmm. So um, I went in. They gave it to me. I looked at it. It was, you know, I had prepared. I had read everybody's name. I knew what I was getting myself into. And uh, we went to they brought me to the booth and I said, um, can I leave the window open? Should I close it? And they said, it's up to you. But the man who's now my boss did say, you probably want to close it because it takes a long time for your voice to go out into the stadium and then it bounces back at you. Mm. So um, I have always thought that my voice sounds like nails to a chalkboard. And no, it doesn't. I, and, I, and I've accepted that. I have accepted that reality, and I just keep it moving. So I did the whole thing. I went through the whole um, lineup, and then they said, "Okay, here's some extra copy. Can you read this copy?" And it was sight. It was sight unseen, so it was cold. Yeah. Read it, nailed it, and I said, "Okay, anything else?" And they just kind of giggled, and they said, "No, nope, that'll be all." Oh, and I did say before before the audition start, looked over, and I said, "Listen, I have no idea how this is going to go." <laughs> but can I um, 
can I go run the bases? <laughs> because I don't know if I'll ever. No, no, <laughs> you you ran the bases. No, I oh, did not. Darn. I just looked at him and I was like, can I? And he looked at me and he was like, no. And I was like, damn. <laughs> hey, listen, I would have done the same exact thing you, you did. Have to ask, of right? course. You have to ask. I mean, you're there. <laughs> Why <Right>? not? <laughs> Why not? Jeez. Um, what, I want what, the record to reflect. I still have not run the bases and I've been there for, you know, two months. Take me through the first day. The I'm, first day. Yeah. I'm um, sure the, the, the butterflies were kicking in. What happened? What was your reaction when you first heard your voice in a live game stadium situation, everybody packed in and you heard your voice going out? What was that feeling like? It was, you know, and and I think to something you so general, generously said earlier, I have been doing this for so long that um, when I'm in the moment doing my thing, I am so not aware of my voice, meaning the sound of it. That being said, I did say to them, listen, this is my natural voice. I can speak in a lower register if you need me to. I can speak in a higher register. Tell me what you want. And they said, just use your regular speaking voice. I've been doing this for 20 years. I know how to manipulate my voice. Mm -hmm. So for me, it is as long as I know, okay, what do you want? Okay, this is what I'm going to give you. Then for me, being in the moment is just making sure I get the copyright. Um, And the first day was hectic because I was part of history. Um, It was the first time a woman was sitting in the booth and there was there was press there. So it was a learning curve for both me and for the Mets franchise. You know, suddenly the PR people are there and doing something that they weren't used to doing, which is, um, hold on, we need to give her a break, her being me, because, mm-hmm. you know, I was doing interview after interview and feeling incredibly blessed and humbled over the entire thing. Also excited because I got to see my friends from local television, from national television, oh, and everyone. Wow. It was, it was, you know, I saw the man who was my first photographer um, who works at SNY. You know, I, I saw a reporter from, from Channel 11. It was just, it was like walking down memory lane. And for me, that assuaged any fears I had because these are my friends and they're all hugging me and saying, oh my gosh, you're going to kill it. This is so great for you and for everybody. Um, that being said, of course, my producers are looking at the watch and they're like, okay, she's done now. Let's go. Like, <laughs> you know. What was the reaction from your family, your kids? Well, my, you know, there's nothing I can do to impress my children. You know, I, I'm You're kidding me. Can, Not even can, this? I'm, I'm convinced I could walk on the face of the moon and they'd be like, really? <laughs> um, they were. So my, my, my youngest son said, well, why couldn't it be the Yankees? And I just looked at him and I was like, dude. Listen, and are you a Yankee son, fan? I, it's hard to be born and raised in the Bronx and not be. Right, right. And right. Um, and and my 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 producers and, and bosses are all aware of that. You know, <laughs> I've never and I've never root against the Mets. I mean, only during a subway series. But now I know better. Right. Um, and by the way, when I got to call the subway series, I was losing my mind yeah, because yeah, I was yeah, not, yeah. not only yeah, just announcing course. the Mets, I was announcing the Yankees. It was a whole situation. And before we continue our interview with Marisol Castro, I wanted to tell you about Saks Underwear. They recently released their new undercover collection. It's made of super soft cotton modal, and it keeps you cool no matter what. The result is that it's breathable, moisture wicking, and resistant to odor. They're the only men's underwear that I use because of the ballpark pouch. It has these internal mesh panels that keeps everything in place. There's really nothing else out there like these. I want you to try Saks as well, so I work with Saks Underwear on a limited time deal just for you. Shop from anywhere on their site and get $5 off, plus free shipping on your first purchase. But you need to use my promo code HIGHLYRELEVANT at checkout. Order a few pairs of Saks right now with this great offer and go to Saks Underwear at SAXXUnderwear.com. That's Saks with two X's and use the promo code HIGHLYRELEVANT at checkout. Remember, SaxUnderwear.com, promo code HIGHLYRELEVANT. Are you amazed at the reaction you've gotten from press, from people? I imagine your your phone must have been blowing up in the last two months. 
It it ha it has been, and I, I I go back to I never expected any of this. I really really didn't. It was um, I think the universe kind of puts things in your path when you're ready for it, and apparently I was ready for all of this, and I am completely shocked at um, different periodicals that have wanted to profile me, different you. Um, just the spectrum of folks that have reached out saying, Hey, can we do a profile on you? Hey, can you, you know, would you mind being on this podcast? And so I'm incredibly thankful, um, to, to all of it. I, I really am. And I still, you know, never mind just wrapping my brain around the fact that I'm the PA announcer for the Mets, but wrapping my brain around, um, the fact that this has garnered the attention that it has. I mean, I had a friend out in LA say, Girl, you went in the LA Times today, and I was like, "Oh, what? Really? Wow!" <laughs> I was, it was, I was in the Washington Post. It was, got, it got picked up by the AP. So, um, you know, another friend of mine was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm driving to work, and they were just talking about you on the radio." Um, now, if I can figure out a way to monetize all of this, then right. I have it all. <laughs> then I have it all figured out. That brings me to my um, next question: Will you now just be a full time PA announcer and leave? Uh, your television work behind or are you somehow trying to still be a television personality? Because one of the recent uh, projects that you've been working on that I've been so uh, cheerful for is Somos. Tell me a little yes. bit about Somos and tell me a little bit about your TV work. Is that something that's going to stay behind and, and you're going to move on with sports? Well, to answer your first question, Jack, you know me. No one hustles or grinds harder than people like you and me. So be that it is as it may that I um, am the first female PA announcer for the Mets, it does not stop there. Um, I am still committed to doing work on television, both in front of the camera and behind the camera. And you and I had spoken about Somos and my next steps with Somos, which is <clears throat> Somos is a show I created where I'm, it, it's very simple. I profile Latinos from all walks of life. Some of them are famous. Some of them are not famous. How ironic, right? And, you should profile right. yourself. <laughs> 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 hey, maybe I could do I know, a show about I, myself. <laughs> I have a walking irony. Um, and literally, as I was starting to... Um, really put feelers out there about Somos and look for sponsorships and look for brands and look for investors. This Mets thing literally fell in my lap. And I just said, okay, well, this is the universe wanting me to do this other thing. And um, so, so no, I, I, I am still committed to doing television. And I love being able to work all sides of my brain. You know, is it great that I get to do this job where it's I'm involved in sports I think I'll always I, I feel like sports and I were meant to be sports always has a way of finding me right right mm -hmm. when I was like leaving news suddenly ESPN shows up and I was like oh, wow this is great you know I've, I've played sports my whole life so so no I um I hope and pray um eyeballs are not sick of watching me on TV yet because that's still that's still the goal goal almost remains my baby um, and it's that type of programming, and I, you and I are kindred spirits because we realized that there was a, a blaring gap in the television landscape, in the radio landscape, in the media landscape of highlighting Latinos, putting Latinos in positions of power within the media so that those stories could be told, and I'm still committed to doing that. You know, it, it's it, this podcast uh, uh, essentially sort of just takes what you just said, but in an audio version. So it's like yeah. Somos, but the audio version where yeah. we like to celebrate and uh, and talk to Hispanic voices that, for the most part, don't get the coverage, uh, even though they're talented or doing great work. It's just because we're dominated by a particular group that uh, celebrates themselves, you know? And so right. sometimes we have to do the same thing. I wanted to talk to you about your television career and how all the work that you've done in your career has led to this moment. Uh, how did you get into television? Because the first time I remember <laughs> seeing you was doing uh, traffic work at WPIX Channel 11, 11 yeah. at, on, the, on the helicopter. You know, oh my and gosh, that the helicopter. Yes. And, and <laughs> I was a weather anchor at Univision uh, for right. their morning newscast at that moment. And I remember that one of the things that in that that sort of 
made me look at you a little bit closer was that you were one of the few tele- traffic anchors at that moment that had personality. That, that you, oh my gosh. <laughs> that, that you didn't even embody a the, the sort of very dry, stuffy, you know, get like, to the point. You were almost the like expressway is backed up, up to, yeah, bumper to bumper. Yeah, I but, had to. But, I, I, I used it. Yeah, right. And you kind of added, you know, moments of hilarity, a very casual conversation behind it. And I think that that was the beginning of like, wait, who's that person? Who? That's Marisol <laughs> Castro. So tell me how you started in TV and. And kind of, because I, I want to talk about all those key moments for you that kind of led you to this moment. Well, thank you for asking. I, I appreciate it. Uh, um, listen, I went to a, I, I got a, a bachelor's degree in government from Wesleyan University. I taught high school English for four years because I thought I was going to be a lawyer. That never happened. I ended up going to the Columbia Journalism School, and um, my I was a broadcast major. That was my concentration. I graduated on a Tuesday, and I should say, at the J School, I was fortunate enough that I learned how to use a camera, I learned how to edit, I learned how to write, I learned how to produce. The only thing Columbia did not teach me was how to comport myself in front of the camera. You know, you don't pay $100,000. They weren't concerned with how you looked on camera. Hmm. It may have changed. But back in 1999, that was it. You need to. You better be the best writer. You better be the best producer, the best editor. We will teach you how to have an eye. We will teach you to ask why 12 different ways. And so I graduated on a Tuesday. That Sunday was the Puerto Rican Day Parade. Uh, I was with my sister and my cousin. We were standing there, and I saw a News 12 van pull up in front of us. And I said sort of to myself but out loud, oh, so nice not to be a one-man band because at Columbia I had taken a class called the nightly news and they literally you and a partner go out with a camera and one of you is the producer and the photographer and the other one is the reporter and you go out every day and you're shooting the same exact stories that local television stations are shooting Mm. so it's like being in the number one market so it was an incredible training ground it was also hard af so get to the parade this woman says, what do you know about being a one-man band? I tell her my spiel, and she says, do you have a demo tape? And I said, oh, sure. She gives me her card and says, I would love you to come down to our station, News 12 The Bronx, tomorrow. Bring your demo tape. You know, be there at 10. And I was like, great. I turn around. I look at my sister and my cousin, and I'm like, I have been drinking since Tuesday. I have no semblance of a demo tape. <laughs> I got to go. <laughs> so I, I tailed it across town to 116th and Broadway. I slapped together a demo tape and my friends at the time were like, um, if you get a job with that thing that you just put together, you give us hope because that is not worth anything. And I was like, thanks for the vote of confidence, guys. <laughs> Long story short. Sounds like it was day, destiny. It was going to happen. It whether, really yeah, was. Yeah. And I went and I went uh, to News 12 was my first job. And because Columbia was so hard, News 12, I felt like I could do it. You know, I had I had been very prepared. Um, that being said, I still had a ton to learn. So you went to PIX. I was at PIX for two years. How did you get that um, gig? I left News 12 The Bronx. So after about four months, um, they promoted me to morning anchor. So I was the morning anchor. My call time was, I think my call time was like one o'clock in the morning. Something ungodly. It was crazy. You know, we still did our own hair and makeup. And, um, and I just, uh, I knew that the world was bigger. I knew, you know, that there were some, that, that there was something other than being a one man band other than just anchoring. And by the way, the, the, the goal was never to become an anchor. Um, and so I left news 12 and said, please. And thank you for your time. The, there's gotta be some other stuff out there. And at the time, I had an, I, an agent found me, right, mm-hmm. and said, listen, you could freelance at PIX. And for me, you know, a city kid, I was like, PIX, 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 PIX. Yeah, you know, that's where the Yankee games area, were. Right, were, exactly. Were, yeah. That's where the Yankee games, right. So um, I started freelancing there, and I was a general assignment reporter, and I was very excited because I had an actual photographer. I didn't have to lug a 50-pound camera around. and um, But I was only freelance, and at the time, they were still la- they had just launched the morning show and so the EP at the time said to me, hey, listen, and you know you're this super smarty pants with your Columbia pedigree and <laughs> you come from hard news. 
but would you consider coming to the morning show? And I said, in what capacity? He said, as the traffic reporter. And I was like, oh, hell no. And he's like, listen, I went to Duke. I get it. We've got these pedigrees and all the rest. He's like, but you will have more exposure than you're getting right now as a general assignment Mm. reporter. So I spoke to some, you know, I had made a couple of confidants in the newsroom and I asked them, I said, do you think this is the right thing to do? And one of them looked at me and she's still a very dear friend to this day. And she said, you would be foolish not to. Wow. Interesting. I I said, what did they see that you didn't see? I have no idea. I think the idea that you know, in this business, it's like exposure, exposure, exposure. You know, the more that you can see your face and showcase your talents, then, you know, then you'll go up the ladder a little bit more quickly or whatever the case may be, which is so hysterical to me when I look at social media and, you know, um, people who become innovators or what I don't even have the link. I don't even have the lingo, but seeing how I sometimes look at my social, my Instagram feed and I'm like, Oh my gosh, this person is so overexposed. And then I see them getting these lucrative contracts and I'm like, huh, I guess they're just doing what I was doing 20 years ago, Mm. but on television. Right. So I I think that the way the industry is operating now when it comes to hiring people is that if you hire a veteran who is a specialist at what they do and you hire them for your job, they're going to give you the same sound, the same tenor, the same sort of attitude that that profession demands. But when you hire somebody outside of that box, you're mm-hmm. it's like when you got hired to be a traffic <clears throat> anchor, you could tell, everyone could tell that you were in a traffic anchor. You were a, a, a personality <laughs> that happened to be doing traffic anchor, but it never really cemented your identity. You cemented the identity for that traffic anchor position. So I'm assuming that everybody that came after you was like, I gotta be like Marisol, because that's the new way of doing it. Well, that you're being incredibly kind, and I appreciate it. And I think part of it was, um, you know, I had to... I had to like like everything else in my life, something landed in my lap and I had to figure it out. And so and quite luckily. Right. And so for me, the job was serious because I was like, people need to get to work. They need to know which train they're going to take and all the rest. I'm also high um, in a helicopter every day, live reporting, covering breaking news. And so I think part of me and part of my personality was um, I wanted to. I wanted to just make it fun for me and for my pilot and my photographer who sat behind me. And so, you know, it's interesting because back then, this was like 2001 or 2002, people would stop my sister and say, oh, my gosh, so your sister, is she like that in real life? And my sister was (laughs) like, she's like, "Um, by the way, that is real life, you know, being the traffic reporter, that's part of her real life. And so for me. One of the biggest compliments I've ever gotten is, wow, you're exactly the same way in TV as you are in real life. And I've never, the two have never been mutually exclusive. When I was a weather anchor over at Univision and when we heard the news that you got the GMA job as a weather anchor, it kind of like gave Latinos uh, like myself this brand new inspired you know, moment, sentiment that we can also do it. And, and it, it was like, you were kind of just breaking these doors, you know, making Latinos in vogue. And it was very inspiring for me because I knew that there was something bigger that I could actually achieve. If you achieved it, I can do it. And you were a New York homebred talent, you know, just like myself. So th- that moment for me was a pretty big deal. And, um, and it was one of those things where you just kind of wanted to say, look, she did it. We can do it, too. <laughs> did you feel like that when you got that GMA job or how was no, that like for you? No, I, I have to tell you, Jack, and I'm listening to you and I am literally like I, I feel myself welling up and I'm not a crier because, um, you know, I, I know earlier I said things have landed in my lap and it may seem that way. I have worked so hard at what I do so so hard it's like you know if you if you take yoga they say you know if we're giving you really difficult positions to put yourself in you have to make it look easy and that is kind of like a good slogan for my life Mm. um being put in difficult positions and just making it look easy like i've done it my whole life when i 
um, got the job on Good Morning America, it never occurred to me that anyone else would be impressed or look at me as a role model, much less a trailblazer, right? It was you were um, a trailblazer for all of us. (laughs) Thank you. I um I remember being interviewed by the Daily News. And, um, and the reporter asked, you know, do you, how does it occur to you being, you know, do you see yourself as a Latina reporter? You know, how do you, how do you label yourself? And I just, I hate being labeled anything. First of all, I don't see myself fitting into any specific box. Um, and I just, I remember saying, first and foremost, I'm a person, um, and I'm a human and I'm a woman. And the fact that I am all of these things, if someone sees a little bit of themselves in me and in what I'm doing and they take something good away from that, then fantastic. And we all win. Um, because for me, I, I wake up every morning. I'm a woman. I'm Latina. I'm a mom. You know, those are things that I love about myself that I never want to change. And they are, I am all of those things all of the time. And so... I don't erase those things from my identity and I kind of just go through this career and I've gone through this path of just doing what it is that I love to do and learning and stumbling and falling and picking myself back up and, you know, how do I do it better this time and stumbling and falling and picking myself back. You know, it's like, okay, here we go, girl, let's do it one more time. Um, And I will say that in the past three years, when I really decided like, okay, I've been eaten up, spit out, chewed up by network news. Now what? Um, I realized, okay, I'm going to have to do this myself. And the one thing that I know I want to do is fill this vacancy, right? So Mm. I was fortunate that I worked at two networks, ABC News, CBS News, incredible incredible journeys two of the three biggest iconic networks of the united (laughs) states of america i'm just missing nbc um and you know and i also worked at espn which you know parent company is disney and disney owns abc but to the point of of what you know we talk about this journey and 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 being a trailblazer for latinos i thought okay i need to i need to really put this put this to good use. And that is how the first version of Somos was born uh, back in 2013. And it was a, a bilingual talk show. Too bad you and I didn't know each other then. Because you would have right? been a good co-host. Damn. <laughs> um, and so I just looked at the landscape and I looked at everything I had learned from my teachers and my, my producers and my contemporaries and just wrote a show for a bilingual talk show. And I was very lucky that NBC um, allowed me to shoot the pilot. And I lost out to Meredith Vieira. And I was like, all right, well, if I got to lose out to someone, yeah. I'm like losing out to her. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, but my mother, you know, in only, in only her bruja spidey senses was like, that show's not going to last. And I was like, I, mommy, don't. She's like, I'm not wishing ill will, but it's not going to last. And of course, when her show got canceled. Here comes Miriam. I told you. And I was like, okay, well, let's see what they replace it with. And so long story short, I went back. That was so that led to the second tour of duty at Pix because at the end of the day, I am a single mother. So I had to go back to work, um, a paying job with, you know, health benefits and a 401k and all yeah, the rest. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, that that sort of brought me to Marisol 2.0. Right, and, right. Sort of like the um, reinvention of who you were. <laughs> right. I wanted to ask exactly. you about the, uh, I guess, your mantra now, uh, which is, um, I make difficult situations look easy. Mm-hmm. What is it about your character that confronts these difficult situations? How do you, A, overcome them? And B, how do you make them look easy? I'm very clear on, on who I am. You know, I... I was not born into a fairy tale family by any stretch of the imagination. And I'm incredibly resilient. You know, I spent the better part of my twenties in therapy. And of course my family was like, Nina, what do you mean? 
how did we fail you? You know, right. They were misinformed about what therapy is. I think one of the greatest things that anyone can do and should not have the stigma that it had with our parents that if you go to therapy, it's you're crazy. No, Mm -hmm. it's just someone to speak to. It's almost like you allow yourself to hear yourself through somebody that's just there. It's just uh, that's what it is. Yes. It allows you to figure things out. Yeah, it does. And I'll be honest with you, you know, going to therapy um, and uh, sports and it's and I guess maybe that's why sports has always found me, because for me, I needed to figure out how to self-soothe. Right. So I'm what is it that I can do? I'm not a good meditator, but I've always my entire life. I have always played a sport. I have always had sports, whether it was gymnastics volleyball, track, rugby. I'm a triathlete. I've done Tough Mudders. I've done all sorts of crazy races. But for me, it's that mind-body-spirit connection. And so before I go into a really tough meeting where I know that I'm going to be told really bad news, (laughs) I go and I work out. And so when I'm in that meeting, I, I hear the news that I need to hear. I pick myself up, please and thank you. And out and about. Okay, what are we doing next? So I also have, I've always comported myself with integrity. Every decision I've made has been with integrity, especially professionally. And as a result of that, um, I can stand in my name, which is to say, regardless of who may have said, it's not working out, we're not going to be renewing your contract, or who has said, you know, we love your show. It's just not ready. Um, who ha- or, um, yeah, we're not picking up your contract. Or, mm, I don't know. This might. I can see any number of those executives tomorrow at a gala, and we would all say, "Hi, how are you? Oh my gosh, how, how's it going?" So I've always been respectful of other people and their decisions. And the other thing, which I work at every single day, two things: I don't take things personally. When CBS said, we're taking the show in a different direction and we're not going to use the weather anchor, I didn't take it personally. That being said, I said, well, you don't want me to do the weather. How about I do this? How about I do this? How about I do this? If I was going down, I was going down swinging. And you also have to know when to say uncle, right? right? And so it was, all right, think really quickly on your feet and make a way out of no way. And, but do it respectfully. So... Number one, I don't take things personally. Number two, hmm. how do you other how, how do you how do you not do that? By the way, because I don't know. Th- there, there's people so, that are and very it's so sensitive. Funny. You're, the, you're the second person that has asked me that this week. Um, I, I don't know. I guess I have a level of of confidence within myself. I listen. I know what I'm capable of doing and not doing. I know. I know where. Like I said, like I, I look for the blind spots. Um. But this is, I guess, in my personal life, um, I have gone through so much upheaval. Um, there have been very, very dark times in my life that I had to literally pull myself up and out. And I've been very fortunate that I have family and friends who were there to help me through those really, really dark times. Um, and that being said, I just, again, I, I know that... <clears throat> We all come with our set of flaws. You know, you may be my boss for this major network and you've got to make hard decisions and you be, may have been my agent for eight years and you drop the ball. Um, but at the end of the day, there's only one me. So I got to, okay, these are the decisions. Mm. Great. I got to keep it moving because at the end of the day, guess who I come home to? My two boys. I have to be the sole provider for their, you know, for what they're doing. So what you're saying and, is you don't allow failure to become your identity in any way. You don't allow no, these no. people and the situations Mm-mm. that happen, the negative situations, you don't oh, allow God, them to no. consume you and to go, okay, well, I guess this is me now. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, two, I would think two, year, two years ago, I thought I would enter back into the agent business. Like I was thinking, gosh, I'm trying to accomplish so much. And I've been without an agent now for six years. And um, I thought, all right, let me try to go back into this agent realm and had a great meeting at one of the top agencies right in Hollywood and there was a conference call this was after like two different meetings and there was a conference call 
And I was sitting in the exact same spot where I'm sitting right now talking to you. And they all said, listen, we've thought about this and now's not a good time to represent you. Good luck. If should you ever need anything, call us, blah, blah, blah. And I said, thank you very much. I hung up the phone and I tell you, I cried. I gave myself a minute to cry. I cried and thank goodness I heard my boys screaming in the other room. And I was like, all right, water spout off. Time to go be a mom. And so that's um, it. It, It's, it's almost like you just give yourself a minute to be human. Yep. Yep. And then you go back because your strength is also needed for your family. Exactly. Exactly. You can't be weak. You can't, you just can't, you can't allow yourself that at all. Mm -mm. No, not at all. That's not to say that I am stoic. That's not to say that I'm robotic. That's not to say that I don't, there aren't times that I feel weak. Um, but I, to your point, I don't allow that to consume me. I I use it to propel me to whatever it is that life is going to throw at me next. And uh, with that said, it's thrown at you this amazing job as the PA <laughs> announcer and the first Latin in Major League Baseball uh, to to do the work that you're doing right now. I'm so happy for you. I I, I don't know Thank how you. else to be happy for someone <laughs> as if it's happening to me, but I'm I'm feeling all the little joys and 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 all those happy moments, happy feelings, uh, because I know you, because I've been following you for so long, because I like you as a person, because I think you're very talented, um, and so I I think that that this time is your time. I think this is your moment. And I think that so many beautiful things are going to come from this opportunity just because all your experience, your whole career has prepared you for what's about to come. I I truly believe that. So congratulations (laughs) on everything, Marisol. Thank you so much, Jack. And I, you know, congratulations to you too. I mean, we're like these two kids from around the way who just came up and, we disrupted things, and, and yeah. now look at us. So congratulations to you, too, and everything <laughs> that, that, that you're doing. Thank you so much, too. Uh, hey, by the way, can, so can you leave us with a with a little PA announcement here on the, on the I show? I mean, give me, give, me a, give me a number, give me a position. Okay. I'll give you a... I'll give you a all right, all right, all right. So, so here's one. What do you want to play? Number 10, Jack Rico, and uh, because Don Maddenly was my favorite player, first base. First base? Yes. Okay, here we go. <laughs> first base number 10 okay the first baseman number 10 jack rico (laughs) by the way i feel so lucky right now i'm so fortunate this is this is my this is my moment this week you just made my week now you just need a walk-up song and you'll be you'll be all set (laughs) enter the sandman from ariana rivera or something like that oh gosh we need him back lord have mercy marisol thank you so much again and congratulations once again with everything thank you so much always a pleasure And before I head out, Aretha Franklin passed away this week at the age of 76 due to pancreatic cancer, but she left a legendary body of work that is unrivaled to this day. Here's my favorite track that you're listening to right now. It's arguably one of the greatest songs I've ever heard. Until you come back to me. Rest with the angels, Aretha.
BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 